Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid of the Commandment Keepers Church. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. The title of today's lesson will be The Children of Light. The Children of Light, brothers and sisters. Today will be a comprehensive study on shining as lights in a dark world. A dreadful spiritual and moral darkness engulfs this generation, brothers and sisters. And today, we will learn how to combat this. We're going to begin in the Apographer today, brothers and sisters. For those who have been following our church, you understand that we operate utilizing the entire canon of the Bible. The 1611 King James Version Bible, which has, what, 80 books. There was 14 books taken out around 1850. Every Bible up until that point had 80 books. Now, it has 66 brothers and sisters. I would encourage you to get a 1611 King James Version Bible. You can find that in your app store on iTunes or your Play Store on Android. Any scholar knows that the full, the full literature has 80 books. We're going there. We're starting in Baruch, the fourth chapter. Now, a little historical context. Baruch was a scribe for Jeremiah. If you don't believe me, go read Jeremiah again. And you'll see that Baruch actually interned for Jeremiah. Here it is. We're at Baruch, the fourth chapter. We're going to read the first and second verse. Baruch 4 and 1 reads, This is the book of the commandments of God and the law that endureth forever. All they that keep it shall come to life, but such as leave it shall die. So, brothers and sisters, if you examine the first verse of the fourth chapter in the book of Baruch, this text highlights not only longevity, but authenticity. Let's read it again. Baruch 4 and 1 reads, This is the book of the commandments of God, and the law that endureth forever. All they that keep it shall come to life. But such as leave it shall die. Verse 2 reads, Turn thee, O Jacob, and take heed of it. Walk in the presence of the light thereof, that thou mayest be illuminated. I'm going to read verse 2 again, brothers and sisters. Baruch, the fourth chapter, the second verse reads, Turn thee, O Jacob, and take hold of it. Walk in the presence of the light thereof, that thou mayest be illuminated. Brothers and sisters, illumination in the spiritual sense is what? Turning on the light. So the true illumination involves our understanding of spiritual truth. As we see here, the real Illuminati have an accurate and academic understanding of God's word. I'm going to read verse 1 and 2 again. Baruch, the fourth chapter, the first and second verse read, This is the book of the commandments of God. And the law that endureth forever. All they that keep it shall come to life, but such as leave it shall die. Verse 2 reads, Turn thee, O Jacob, and take hold of it. Walk in the presence of the light thereof, that thou mayest be illuminated. So, brothers and sisters, who is he speaking to? He's speaking to Jacob. Who is Jacob? If you know biblical history, you know Jacob's name was changed to Israel after he wrestled with an angel. 
we are the children of Israel. He said, Israel, walk in the light that thou mayest be the real Illuminati, that thou mayest be illuminated. And verse 1 did what? It told us that God's law, God's commandments, God's word endureth forever. And if you keep it, life is promised to you. However, if you neglect it, death, not only spiritual, but physical death is the result of neglecting God's word, brothers and sisters. But we wanted to just go to the fourth chapter of Baruch to show you that what the real Illuminati are those who can see in the darkness, those who follow God's word, those who adhere to his laws, statutes, and commandments. That's God's word, okay? Follow us, brothers and sisters, to Psalms, chapter 119. We're going to read verse 98 and 99. So we're at the book of Psalms, the 119th chapter, the 98th and 99th verse. Brothers and sisters, Psalms 119 and 98 reads, Thou, through thy commandments, has made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all of my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. So, brothers and sisters, the comprehension of Scripture Give supreme literacy on how to maneuver in darkness. By attending the word, we counterwork the designs of our enemies. Let us show you. Because verse 98 is giving you the insight on why the Most High has designated us the real Illuminati. Psalms 119 and 98 reads, Thou, through thy commandments, has made me wiser than my enemies. For they are ever with me. See? So it's telling you, brothers and sisters, we do have enemies. Why? Because those who follow the evil one, those who find themselves on the other side as enemies of God, have his followers as their enemies also. And the Bible is telling you that through the law, through my commandments, I have made you wiser than those who seek your life. See, that's the real Illuminati. Illuminati means to be able to see in darkness, brothers and sisters. That's why you'll see they utilize the symbol of the owl. Why? Because the owl can see in darkness as it is in light, brothers and sisters. And according to the psalmist, compliance with the literature will give us more wisdom than what? Men of experience. Let us show you. Verse 99 reads, I have more understanding than all my teachers. Why? For thy testimonies are my meditation. See? So with comprehension and application, we will exceed in spiritual understanding of those who were put in place to teach us. Brothers and sisters. It's showing you what? It's showing you the power of compliance to God's word. It's showing you what really makes somebody the Illuminati. See, today's society, today's generation is just putting that word on Jay-Z and Beyonce. People who have nothing to do with the real Illuminati, brothers and sisters. The Bible tells you those who walk in the light in a world full of darkness and hide what? Hide the commandments in their heart are the real illuminated ones. See? Let me read verse 98 again. 
Psalms 119 and 98 reads, Thou, through thy commandments, has made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. So the application of biblical principles will govern our actions, doing what? Frustrating their plans, brothers and sisters. And this text highlights the value of this literature, brothers and sisters. See? God's word is like a blueprint. It's like a plan, brothers and sisters. It's like a defense system against the enemy who look to destroy you, brothers and sisters. See? Let's go to Daniel, the second chapter, the 22nd verse, brothers and sisters. We're sticking to the New Testament. Daniel, the second chapter, the 22nd verse, and it reads, He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. So, brothers and sisters, man himself requires illumination from what? From an external source. And guess what? Compliance with the Creator enables us to discern between good and evil. Let us read that again. Daniel, the second chapter, the 22nd verse reads, He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. So, submission will be rewarded with the revealing of the clandestine, brothers and sisters. The Most High, He exposes the unexposed. He detects the undetected, brothers and sisters. That's why you can only be regarded as in the light or the illuminate ones or the real Illuminati if you do what? If you submit to God. Why? Let us read it again. The question is why can you only be designated or titled the real Illuminati, if you submit to God, Daniel, the second chapter, the 22nd verse is, he readeth, he revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. See, so biblical meditation endues us with the understanding above our adversaries, brothers and sisters. A person cannot see in the darkness if they're not in the light. Brothers and sisters, see, you can only be in the light if what? If you submit to God, if you follow his law, statutes and commandments, because otherwise you're walking in darkness. You can see no more than the next person. As we'll learn today, the world is engulfed in a deep darkness, brothers and sisters, and the only revelation comes from who? From the Most High. Where does he do his revelation? Or where does he do his revealing? In his word, brothers and sisters. In his word. Are you seeing that, brothers and sisters? Let's read it one more time before we move forward. Daniel, the second chapter, the 22nd verse reads, He revealeth the deep in secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness. And the light dwelleth with him. See? This is why we submit to the Most High. Why? Because He knows the secret things. He knows what's in darkness. And guess what? The light dwelleth with Him. So in order for you to have light, in order for you to be a carrier of the light, in order for you to be able to see clearly in darkness, you have to submit to Him and His Word. 
brothers and sisters. Again, the title of today's lesson is The Children of Light. Baruch, the fourth chapter, revealed what, brothers and sisters? That they, the children of Israel, and those who follow the children of Israel, in doing what? In submission to God, are revealed as, or de designated as what? As the illuminate ones. Those who can see clearly in darkness, brothers and sisters. Let us show you. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians. We're going to go to the New Testament now, brothers and sisters. We have a lot of scriptures today. Please follow us. 1 Thessalonians, the 5th chapter, in the 5th through the 8th verse, brothers and sisters. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 5 reads, Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. So, brothers and sisters, here it is. There's two classes that are spoken of in contrast here. Brothers and sisters, let us read it again. First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter and the fifth verse reads, Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the light, nor of darkness. Brothers and sisters, darkness is the absence of light. Moral darkness is emblematical of all that is evil. So he's saying here, what? What is he saying? He's saying, be as the children of the day. Be as the children of the light. In which you'll notice in the subsequent scriptures, brothers and sisters. The emphasis is that behaviors are the indication of the fatherhood. So he's saying if you're children of light, the behavior should be one that comes from the father of light. And if you're what? If you're the children of the darkness, then your behaviors, your conduct will be such as the father of darkness. And we know who that is. Remember, Daniel, the second chapter, the 22nd verse said the light emanate with him. Brothers and sisters, so in order for you to be a child of him, you actually have to acquiesce to his instruction. The children of Israel are those people. Let us show you. First Thessalonians 5 and 7 reads, For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And for an helmet, the hope of salvation. So, brothers and sisters, look at verse 7 again. Let me read that. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 7 reads, For they that sleep, sleep in the night. Brothers and sisters, when you sleep, you're not conscious. You're unconscious to the invisible war. That's what Paul is bringing out here, brothers and sisters. See? Why? Because knowledge of the manuscript should dictate behaviors. Are you seeing that, brothers and sisters? Now, what you're learning is Hebrew hermeneutics, because why? In Semitic language, son of something or child of something means to be characterized by that thing. See, so if he's, if he's saying you're the children of light, that means you should carry the character of the father of light. If you're the children of night, then you should carry the character or the conduct or the behavior of who? The father of darkness or night. Brothers and sisters. 
We're going to read that from the top. We're going back to 1 Thessalonians 5 and 5. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 5 reads, Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. Now, the scripture, brothers and sisters, where it reads in verse 8, But let us, who are of the day, be sober. What is Paul advocating here, brothers and sisters? He's promoting a more balanced way of living. And then he, he proceeds to use a soldier's armor to illustrate the idea of watchfulness, brothers and sisters. So if you examine the fifth chapter of Thessalonians closely, Paul is admonishing us to live lives according to our nature. See, if you're, ch if you're a child of light, then operate as you would during the day. If you are a child of the darkness, a son of darkness, then what? Your behavior will act as evidence of the fatherhood. Who is the fatherhood? The father of darkness. Who is Satan, brothers and sisters. See? So today's title, The Children of Light, will be what? This will be a comprehensive study, brothers and sisters. On what our present and future should look like for those who do what? Who claim to be children of light. Let's go to Isaiah, the 60th chapter, the first verse, brothers and sisters. We're going to read Isaiah 60, verse 1 through 3. Let us read. Isaiah, the 60th chapter, in the first verse reads, Arise, shine. For thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. So, brothers and sisters, the first thing we have to examine is that you'll learn. Divine illumination always points to an action. Let us show you. It says, the first verse says, arise shine see so now that the awakening has begun we are commissioned to spread the good news the first thing he says is arise be awakened and once you're awakened shine see so now you have what you've been commissioned to do something let us read it again isaiah the 60th chapter the first verse reads arise shine for thy light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. The second verse of the 60th chapter found in Isaiah reads, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. Now, brothers and sisters, this people is referring to the Gentiles, those outside of the children of Israel. He's telling you that the Gentiles shall be or will be or are currently enveloped in thick darkness. See? So he's given the children of Israel what? He's commissioning them to do what? Awaken. 
And once you awaken, shine. Why? Because the Gentiles are enveloped in gross darkness. Let us read that again. Isaiah, the 60th chapter, the first verse reads, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Verse 3 reads, And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. So, brothers and sisters, if you examine this text closely, the third verse tells us that the Gentile nations shall see our light and be attracted to it, Israel. So first, we receive God's light, and then we have a service to put forth. Arise, shine, for thy light is come. See? So Israel, according to God's word, are the children of light. But Israel must know that they are Israel first. Israel must follow God's laws first, because otherwise, we're not saying just because you're black or Hispanic or native that you're a light to the world, because guess what? If you haven't submitted to God, if you have not, if you have not submitted to his instruction, to his commandments, you are in darkness. You are considered a Gentile. Okay? You may be an Israelite in your flesh, your blood, but your behavior says that what? You're a child of the darkness. See? You behave as your father behaved. Who is your father? The father of darkness is Satan, brothers and sisters. See, so it would behoove what a Gentile to do what to find an Israelite with Christ's doctrine, with Christ's character and learn from them. Why? Because this is an Israelite book. See, if you want to learn Roman history, I would suggest you go find a European or Roman or something, a Greek and learn that. But if you want to learn Israelite history, an Israelite book, it would behoove you to do what? Find an Israelite. With the spirit of Christ and all meekness and humility. And learn from him. See? Let us go to Romans. The 8th chapter. Brothers and sisters. Romans the 8th chapter. The 19th. Through the 22nd verse. Romans 8 and 19 reads. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. I'm going to read that again. Romans 8 and 19 reads, For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. So according to this text, brothers and sisters, nature is eagerly waiting for our exaltation. Creation awaits to celebrate the revelation of the Most High's progeny. Who are the sons of God? The children of Israel. All throughout this book, brothers and sisters. See? Let me read that again. Romans 8 and 19 reads, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Verse 20 reads, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who have subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself 
also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So if you read verse 20 closely, brothers and sisters, it says, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly. So God did not design creation to suffer, but we are the living result of sin. See? So the animals long to be liberated and brought into freedom according to the 8th chapter of Romans. And this highlights our righteous dominion over the beasts of the forest, brothers and sisters. Let us show you something. Look at the 22nd verse in the 8th chapter of Romans. Verse 22 reads, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. So all of God's creation is salivating for righteous rulership. See? Verse 22 emphasizes that creation has awareness that something better is coming. Even the animals are waiting for the rightful rulers of the earth. Why? Look at how the animals are being treated right now, brothers and sisters. I mean... Pigs are, they're going crazy right now because they're trying to figure out why are they being killed and eaten. Crabs, shrimp, lobster, they're confused right now. They're like, hold on, why are we being, why are we being killed and sold as delicatessens? See, why? Because the children of Israel have law on what to eat and what not to eat. So the pigs are like, we can't wait for the children of Israel because then we don't have to fear for our life. And then be put on a ham sandwich. See? Look in your zoos where animals are in cages. They're taken out of their natural habitat. And done what? Put in prisons. You have poaching going on. Brothers and sisters. Animals that should not be killed and eaten are being used for their fur. Right? Crocodile shoes and all this stuff. Snakeskin jackets and all this stuff. See? So even the creation, God's animals are waiting for righteous rulership because the children of Israel, those of this book, have what? They have laws concerning even the animals, brothers and sisters. Even the animals. See? The Bible tells you that what? The Bible tells you that when when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. Brothers and sisters. So guess what? Even the Gentiles will rejoice when the righteous are in rulership. Why? Because there's certain laws that would benefit them. For example, Deuteronomy the 15th chapter, the first through the third verse tells us that all debt must be forgiven on the seventh year. So if a brother owe me money, He owes school loans. He owes a car loan. He owns a house loan. That debt must be made even. That must be forgiven in the seventh year. Why? Because of the Sabbath. See, there's a Sabbath in year. Not only in the weekly Sabbath of the seventh day, but in the year. See? Now, I don't know a Gentile alive who wouldn't want to be under that type of law. (laughs) We weren't going to charge each other interest. That's in the law. If I let a borrow a brother borrow $50, I can't say, okay, brother, give me $56 when you get paid on Tuesday. That's against the law. See? And if we were in rulership, the rightful people were in rulership, these laws would be implemented. No taxes. But here, what happens now? 
You only you you not only get taxed when you make the money, you get taxed when you spend the money. That's not of God. But guess what? They're not following God. So can we be mad at them? No, we cannot. Only thing we can do, Israel, is come back to God's laws, statutes, and commandments and wait for him to elevate us. Because why? Not only the animals, but the Gentiles, they salivate for righteous rulership. Now, of course, you have certain Gentiles who just, they're racist. Let's be real. They could never imagine black, you know, anyone other than white people in authority. So we're not talking about them. We're talking about regular Gentiles. They don't really care who's in charge. As long as they can live a good life, right? As long as they're not being oppressed, they don't care if it's a black man. They don't care if it's an Asian man, a native man. As long as, listen, as long as I can live, you know, the life that I feel, you know, that I'm entitled to being what? Being a son or daughter of God. I'm fine with that. See? So according to Romans, the eighth chapter, not only the animals, but all of God's creation wait for the time where the sons of God, the children of God, the children of Israel, the children of light are revealed to the earth. Why? Because the earth does not know who we are, brothers and sisters. They think we're Africans. <laughs> they think we're African-Americans. They think we're Native American Indians. See, they think we're Mexicans. God never named you Mexican. God never named you Dominican. God never named you Puerto Rican. He never named us African-American. These are God's people. These are those who are considered the poor, the disenfranchised. These are God's people, brothers and sisters. And we're suffering. Why? Because we decided to neglect God's law. But according to the same Bible that says slave ships would be our future, also says that if we come back to him and do what? If we come back to him and acquiesce to the scriptures, he will elevate us. And guess what? When we are elevated, we will treat people righteously. Not as the white men have treated us. Not all white men, but the elites, the slave owners. We're not going to be swinging people off trees and beating and whipping them. Nah. Why? We're God's people. We don't do that. That's what you do. See? We're not you. And that's what I believe Gentiles fear. They fear that if we ascend, if we're exalted to power, that we will treat them the way that they have, that they have always treated us. As it is documented in the Bible. All the way to Exodus. Where you had African black people looking to kill us. All the way to the Persians, to, to the Greeks, to the Romans. How all of them took their turn on us. They fear, they fear that if we rise, we will return the favor. But they got another thing coming. Why? Because we're not you. We're not heathens. We have laws according to God on how we're supposed to operate. So we're just showing you, brothers and sisters. Romans, the eighth chapter in the 19th verse, as, as I'll read, tells us that the creatures... The creation is waiting on the manifestation of the children of Israel. Let me read. Romans, the 8th chapter, the 19th verse reads, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth 
for the manifestation of the sons of God. See? Even the earth is crying out, brothers and sisters. The earth, they're drilling into the earth. See? They're drilling into the earth for oil, cracking the earth. The earth is crying. Those of us who are old enough to remember the BP oil spill, right? Not, not only that, but they're doing what? GMO. They're, they're playing around with the fruits. They're splicing animals. They're testing on they're testing on rats. See? Why? Because you have fools over the earth right now who operate with no law. Brothers and sisters, that will change. But it first starts with the children of Israel doing what? Repenting for their sins, coming back to the God of the Bible. That is the first step. Let's go to Matthew 5 and 14. We're going to the gospel, brothers and sisters. We're going to Matthew, the fifth chapter, the 14th through the 16th verse. Listen closely, Israel. Listen closely, children of light. Matthew 5 and 14 reads, Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Verse 16 reads, Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So brothers and sisters, especially Israel, I need you to listen. Because we're meant to shine a light into a world that is steeped in the darkness of sin. Let me show you. We're going back to Matthew, the fifth chapter, the 14th verse. Verse 14 reads, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So this text emphasizes that light becomes ineffective if it's hidden. See? Light is meant to be seen and to allow other people to see. So guess what, Israel? If we're going to be effective, then we need to be visible. And this is for those Israelites who say, well, no. We shouldn't teach Gentiles. We should allow them to die in their sin. Wrong. Wrong, according to God. See, according to this text, we have the privileged position of being his ambassadors on earth. It says we're supposed to be a light to the world. And that light does what? Give light to all that are in the house. See, so we're not on some power trip where we're, we say, well, no, nah, we, we only teach Israelites. What scripture is that? Yes, we're going to go to Israel first, but if a Gentile want to learn God's word, I don't care if there was the whitest white man or the blackest African, we're going to teach God's word because that's what Christ said do, brothers and sisters. See, that's what Christ said do. So if you have a personal problem with white people or Asian people and all that, then that's on you. But what you cannot do, you cannot come to the commandment keepers church and give us what your mission is. Maybe that's your mission to only teach Israelites. Okay? That's fine. 
But we are going to teach anyone who wants to know the truth. Because why? I'm going to show you why. Matthew 5 and 14. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. See? Israel, the children of light, are made to do what? To shed light on a world engulfed in darkness, to show the right way. See? To show the entire world, not just Israel, their sin. To do what? To cause them to come back to the Father, brothers and sisters. See? We just wanted to show you, especially Israelites, because there's a lot of Israelites out there who have a hatred for the white man. They have a hatred for anyone they deem as not black or Hispanic. And that is not the spirit of Christ. You're still in darkness, brother. See, we are the light of the world. And guess what? You don't light a candle and hide it under a table. That would be counterproductive. See, let me read verse 16. Matthew 5 and 16 reads, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. See, it's not about you. See, it's not about people thinking, you know, you're all deep in all this. And yeah, these are these are, you know, Israelites and Jews. And let me let me worship their boots and all this. Nah, nah. Let me read it again in case you missed it. Brothers and sisters. Matthew 5 and 16 reads, let your light so shine before men. Why? That they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. See, so we're supposed to bring glory to the most high, the great I am in Hebrew. I am is a higher. See, so it's not about somebody, you know, you know, <laughs> holding us in high esteem because we're Israelites. Not even about that. We just want you to find the father before you meet his wrath, because that's what will happen. Gentiles, if you don't find him, if you don't acquiesce. You will fall. The scripture is making that crystal clear. Now, brothers and sisters, let's stick in the gospel. Let's go to John chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. John 3 and 19 reads, and this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. So, brothers and sisters, examine verse 19. Verse 19 reads, And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So, brothers and sisters, light reveals truth and exposes what's hidden. And according to verse 19, people would prefer to hide in darkness rather than be exposed by the light. 
See, so why are we going into this? We're going into this because, yes, Israel, you may be the children of light. But according to verse 19, everyone is not a fan of that light. And guess what, Gentiles? If you begin to follow the doctrine of Christ, if you begin to learn from Israelites, there's going to be a segment of your friends, your family, who is going to go against you just naturally. Why? We're going to read it again. John 3 and 19 reads, and this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. So they're afraid of the light. Why? Because they can be easily detected. Light is hated because sin is loved. Brothers and sisters, so we're reading what? We're reading that this is the reason for the wicked's avoidance of the light. See? And this is even for Gentiles. We have many Gentiles that we baptize into our church and that listen, you know, to our church regularly. And understand one thing. Everyone is not a fan of this light that you have found. Why? Because their deeds are evil. See? When you say, well, hold up, I don't eat pork because it's against the Bible, automatically they become offended. Why? Even though you're, you're just speaking about your own personal behavior, because why? If you're saying eating pork is wrong, then you're saying I'm wrong. <laughs> See? So you have to know this, brothers and sisters. You have to be careful how you wield the sword. See? Everyone is not happy or excited about your new found awakening or your new light many people hate the light and won't come to the light why because their deeds would be exposed because it's only the bible that says eating pork is wrong it is only the bible that says eastern christmas is wrong see so you're going to find yourself as their enemy and it wouldn't be equitable for us to give you half of the story. Understand, brothers and sisters, yes, the light is contained within the literature. But everyone will not be a fan. And you have to operate with wisdom. Brothers and sisters, follow us to the book of Job, the 24th chapter. Uh, we'll begin at the 13th through the 17th verse. Because why? We have to give you some examples on why those who you once called friends, family members, would want to avoid this light, brothers and sisters. Let us give you some biblical examples. Let's go to Job 24 and 13. The 13th verse reads, They are of those that rebel against the light. They know not the ways thereof, nor abide in the paths thereof. The murderer, rising with the light, killeth the poor and needy, and in the night is as a thief. The eye also of the adulterer waiteth for the twilight, saying, No eye shall see me, and disguiseth his face. Verse 16 reads, In the dark they dig through houses which they had marked for themselves in the daytime. They know not of the light. Verse 17 reads, For the morning is to them 
even as the shadow of death. If one know them, they are in the terrors of the shadow of death. So brothers and sisters, if you read verse 13, Job describes the kind of sin that happens under the cover of darkness. He identifies the gross wickedness of evil men as generally being perpetrated at night. Let me show you. Read verse 13 again, brothers and sisters. Verse 13 reads, They are those that rebel against the light. They know not the ways thereof, nor abide in the paths thereof. The murderer, rising with the light, killeth the poor and needy. And in the night is as a thief. See, so look at this, brothers and sisters, because such men sleep in the daytime and operate their nefarious businesses at night. That's why it says, let me read it again. Verse 14, the murderer rising with the light killeth the poor and needy. And in the night is as a thief. See, the eye also of the adulterer waiteth for the twilight, saying, No eye shall see me, and disguiseth his face. See, when a brother or a sister is going to cheat on their husband or their wife, when are they doing it? They're doing it at night, trying to hide themselves. Look at verse 16. In the dark they dig through houses, which they had marked for themselves in the daytime. They know not the light. So it's telling you burglaries. <laughs> it says in the dark, they're burglarizing a house, but in the daytime, they're planning their sin. See, this is what it's showing you. They use the daytime to plan their sin that they'll perpetrate at night. Brothers and sisters. See, look at verse 17. Verse 17 reads, for the morning is to them, even as the shadow of death. See, if one know them, they are in the terrors of the shadow of death. So these are the men who plunder secretly, who rob, yet cannot bear to be known as thieves. See, verse 17 means that they dread the morning as what? As death, brothers and sisters. It says, for the morning is to them even as the shadow of death. Why? Because if one know them, they are in the terrors of of the shadow of death. So according to Job, the 24th chapter, criminal activity is usually executed at night or in the lack of light. Why? Because crimes are easily disguised under darkness. This is what, this is what we're saying. This is what John, the third chapter, the 19th and 20th verse was saying. Those who don't want their deeds exposed or do not want to be reproved they hate the light brothers and sisters showing you that you will become many people's enemy with this new awakening that you have now that you have as isaiah the 60th chapter said arise shine now that you have awakened and now look to shine light in darkness you will become the enemy brothers and sisters and you must have the courage to stand you must stand on with the courage of your convictions because everyone is not going to be happy. Everyone is not going to accept you. Why? Because according to Job, the 24th chapter, the 13th through the 17th verse, when people 
when their behaviors or their conduct is called into question by light, they become like a, 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 a venomous snake, brothers and sisters. See? See, as long as you're in the dark, you really can't, you can't really expose my deeds. But when you go to the light and you come near me, then what you're doing is shedding light or showing light on my evil. This is why people get offended when you say you don't eat pork. Look at how they examine you after that. When you say, well, no, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't celebrate Easter. Why? It's not like you're condemning them. You're just telling them, listen, I don't do these things. Because why? Right away, they began to deal with self-reflection. See? Because if what you're saying is right, that means by definition, I'm wrong. By default, rather, I'm wrong. If you're saying God said don't eat pork, and I'm eating pork. I got ham on my sandwich right now. See? Let us go to Ephesians, the fifth chapter, the 13th verse. We're in Paul's writings. Ephesians 5 and 13 reads, But all things that are approved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doeth make manifest is light. Let me read that again. Ephesians 5 and 13 reads, But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doeth make manifest is light. So brothers and sisters, in the light, the true nature of a thing is disclosed. The light illuminates the unfruitful works of darkness according to this verse, brothers and sisters. And now you're seeing the source of our ridicule. Being exposed by light awakens their moral conscience and therefore they, they find themselves in a defensive posture naturally, brothers and sisters. That's why it said, look at it again. But all things that are reproved are made manifest, which means revealed by what? By the light. And whatsoever doeth make manifest is light. See? See? So when you're revealing your evil by showing what's right, you have become part of the light, brothers and sisters. Jew or Gentile. Because I know many Gentiles who are following the Jews, who are following the Israelites. Because why? They understand that when the Bible, no one can break down the Bible like the children of Israel. Why? Because we're the people in the book. That, that doesn't take rocket science. But. You can break down all the scriptures you would like. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, the spirit of humility, the spirit of meekness, if you don't put your pride in your pocket, nobody, and I mean nobody, no matter how much knowledge you have, will allow you to do what? To educate them. But why do we go there? We just wanted to show you that what? In order to correct something, you have to bring it into the light and show that it's wrong. That will make you an enemy, brothers and sisters. Let us show you. Let's go to Isaiah 59 and 14. Isaiah 59 and 14 reads, And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Brothers and sisters, the 14th verse 
in the 59th chapter of Isaiah emphasizes an environment where evil prevails. Let me show it to you again. Isaiah 59 and 14 reads, And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Now this is critical, brothers and sisters, because it's telling you that even publicly, righteousness is not respected. How do we know? Because it says, for truth is fallen in the street. That's telling you that truth <laughs> publicly is not even respected, brothers and sisters. When it says, for truth falleth in the street, in the street is publicly, brothers and sisters. See? So it's telling you there's no equity there's no righteousness. There's no truth. And justice, it standeth afar off, which means it's nowhere near, brothers and sisters. Let me read the 14th and 15th verse again. Listen closely. Isaiah 59 and 14 reads, And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Verse 15 reads, Yeah, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. Look at that, brothers and sisters. It says, He that departs from evil maketh himself a prey. See? So those who maintain a life of piety are rendered as adversaries. Brothers and sisters, the Bible's telling you this. Isaiah is dropping it. Isaiah is telling you, when you decide to do what? When you decide to separate yourself from evil, your family members, your friends view you as adversarial. See? We're in an environment where sober singularity is branded as lunacy, brothers and sisters. Are you seeing this? Are you seeing this, brothers and sisters? Because Isaiah is dropping it. Yes, we are the children of light. But understand what comes with that. Understand what comes with that. Because it would be naive to think that, yes, I have this truth. And everybody that I know wants, is happy for me. It's happy for my new awakening. No, they're going to say you're in a cult, brothers and sisters. You don't want to eat pork? Okay. You want to eat crab, shrimp, and lobster? You don't want to worship on a Sunday? You don't want to celebrate Easter, pagan Easter? Okay, you're in a cult then. <laughs> See? Remember, they called Christ Beelzebub. They called Christ Satan. Remember that? One thing I've found is, usually when people start saying that, you're getting closer to the truth, brothers and sisters. Because why? You're not fitting within their norm, or what they believe is normal, brothers and sisters. Cult comes from the word cultured, brothers and sisters, or to cultivate, which means it's not normal to that environment, brothers and sisters. To cultivate, is that means it's not normal to that environment. This truth, brothers and sisters, is not normal to the environment it's in, amongst us. What's normal in this environment is to celebrate pagan holidays, to eat rat, cat, and dog, <laughs> see, to not respect the Sabbath, to deal with homosexuality and all this, you have men walking around with pumps on and nobody's saying they're in a cult. See? 
you got women walking around trying to be dudes with with suits on and pants pants hanging down and all this, and nobody said they're in the cult. But when I say, okay, well, I don't eat pork. Well, hold up. Hold up. See? Well, no, nah, I don't celebrate Christmas because Jeremiah, the 10th chapter, forbids a Christmas tree. Now we're in a cult. See? Now, let's go to Matthew, the 25th chapter. We're going to go to Matthew 25, brothers and sisters. We're going to read 1 through 12. Brothers and sisters, this is a parable. This is one of Christ's uh, parables. One of the most misinterpreted parables, brothers and sisters, out of all the parables Christ delivered upon his time on the earth. We're going to break it down for you. Remember, the title is The Children of Light. Alright, we're in Matthew, the 25th chapter. We're going to read the 1st through the 12th verse. Matthew 25 and 1 reads, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Verse 7. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. Verse 9. But the wise answered, saying, Not so lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went with him into the marriage. And the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. So that's the entire parable, brothers and sisters. And we're going to break this parable down piece by piece. Because why? Remember, the title is what? The Children of Light. And here it is. The subject is light here, brothers and sisters. It's, the 25th chapter tells you that you had five foolish virgins. You had five wise virgins. Now, you have to understand the word virgin from a Hebrew perspective. The word virgin in Hebrew have nothing to do with sex, brothers and sisters. As we've just read these 12, these 12 scriptures, in just examining the context clues like they taught you in elementary, the word virgin has nothing to do with sex. In the Hebrew culture, virgin is another word for young woman. See? Get a Bible dictionary and look up that word virgin. The word virgin simply means young woman. So this parable is telling you that what? You had 10 young women. Five were wise. Five were foolish. Five had, they all had lamps. But some took no oil for their lamps. Now, we understand that the bridegroom is Christ. 
Let us read it again. Matthew 25 and 1 reads, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. That they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Now, brothers and sisters, let's break this down because we have to identify the oil and also the lamp. First, let's deal with the lamp because verse 3 says, They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. What do these lamps represent, brothers and sisters? In this parable, what is Christ actually referring to? Because it says these young women, 10 of them had lamps, but only five of them had oil. What is the lamp? Let us show you. Let's go to Proverbs 6 and 23, because Proverbs, the sixth chapter, the 23rd verse, shows us what is a lamp according to God, according to God's word. Proverbs, the sixth chapter, the 23rd verse reads, for the commandment is a lamp. The law is light. And reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Let me read that again. Proverbs 6 and 23 reads, For the commandment is a lamp. And the law is light. And reproofs of instruction are the way of life. So according to the 6th chapter, the 23rd verse of Proverbs, the laws are the lamp needed for light in a world enveloped in darkness. Brothers and sisters, we're reading the lighthouse created to warn us off of the treacherous rocks of sin. See, it's the commandments, it's the law that enlightens the eyes and directs the feet. Remember, Matthew 25, Christ said what? He said that all ten had the lanterns, they had the lamps. Now you know what the lamps are, brothers and sisters. Let me read that verse again. Proverbs 6 and 23 reads, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. So the law does what? It shows man's sinfulness, brothers and sisters. And commandments are declarations intended to bring forth blessings, protections. See, so it's telling you the lamp is what? It's my commandments, it's my laws. Now remember, Matthew 25 said they needed lamps, meaning it was dark, brothers and sisters. See, so it's telling you, you don't have light. You don't even have the beginning of light without the commandments. So those who are not keeping the law, keeping the commandments, they are not in the light. They have no light in them, brothers and sisters. They're walking around in darkness. See, Proverbs 6.23. I hope you're writing down these precepts, brothers and sisters, so you can break this down. Because according to Proverbs, the commandment is a lamp. The law is is the light. Matthew 25 said that we would need the lamps. We're going to show you why. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus in the Apocrypha. 
Ecclesiasticus 19 and 19. Verse 19 reads, The knowledge of the commandments of the Lord is the doctrine of life, and they that do things that please him shall receive the fruit of the tree of immortality. Let me read that again. Ecclesiasticus 19.19 reads, The knowledge of the commandments of the Lord is the doctrine of life, and they that do things that please him shall receive the fruit of the tree of immortality. So brothers and sisters, knowledge is power. Wisdom is gained through applying that knowledge, brothers and sisters. So you have to make your education valuable by applying what you've learned. Let us show you again. Verse 19 reads, The knowledge of the commandments of the Lord is the doctrine of life. And they that do things that please him shall receive the fruit of the tree of immortality. So brothers and sisters, first you see the knowledge of the commandments, which is the doctrine of life. And then you see the action when it says, and they that do things that please him shall receive the fruit of the tree of immortality. Tree of immortality. So knowledge and wisdom only have value in application. Brothers and sisters, why? Because most people readily accept the principles, but resist its practice. See, the power that knowledge possesses is hidden in its application. So not only should you have knowledge of the commandments, but you need to apply it. Because why? Even Christians know that the Bible says, you know, eating pork is unclean. They know that. They'll just explain it off and say, well, you don't have to follow that anymore. Proven to you that it's not just the knowledge. Because Christians have the knowledge. They know that the Sabbath is on Saturday. They just come up with a way to explain it all. So Christ is telling you, you need not only knowledge, but you need that in conjunction with application. Let us read it again. Ecclesiasticus 19 and 19 reads, The knowledge of the commandments of the Lord is the doctrine of life. And they that do things that please him shall receive the fruit of of the tree of immortality. See that brothers and sisters. So he said first you have the knowledge of the commandments. But then you have to do what? You have to apply that knowledge. See. Let's go to second answers in the Apocrypha. Chapter 7 verse 20 and 21. Second answers 7 and 20 reads. For there be many that perish in this life. Because they despise the laws of God that is set before them. For God hath given straight commandment to such as came, what they should do to live, even as they came, and what they should observe to avoid punishment. So if you examine the 20th verse in the 7th chapter of 2nd Ezra, the scripture tells you that rejecting wisdom is to deserve suffering. See? According to this text, non-compliance is self-destructive. Let us read it again. Second Ezra 7 and 20 reads, For there be many that perish in this life because they despise the law of God that is set before them. For God hath given straight commandment to such as came, what they should do to live even as they came, and what they should do or what they should observe to avoid punishment. 
So according to this text, we bludgeon our own souls of its happiness, brothers and sisters. Negligence is to be ambitious for our own destruction. Ezra's just breaking it down here. He's saying many people are going to die. Why? Because they despise my instruction. They'll say, yeah, believe in the Bible, but then use the Bible to say you don't have to follow what's in the Bible. For example, if you take them to Leviticus, the 11th chapter and say, see, it says swine is unclean. What will they do? They'll take you to another scripture somewhere that's misinterpreted and butchered to say you don't have to follow what's in the Bible. Who would do something like that, brothers and sisters? Somebody who is a child of darkness. Only a child of darkness would use the scripture to say you don't have to follow what's in the scripture. It's a trance, brothers and sisters. The title of today's lesson? The children of light. We have we've broken, we've broken down the beginning of Matthew 25, showing you that the lamp, according to the Bible, is the commandments. Now we're showing you what? The power of the commandments. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus in the Apographer, chapter 15, verse 15 through 17. Listen closely. Ecclesiasticus 15 and 15 reads... If thou wilt to keep the commandments and to perform acceptable faithfulness, he hath set fire and water before thee. Stretch forth thy hand unto whatever thou wilt. Before man is life and death, and whether him liketh shall be given him. Let me read that again, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiasticus 15 and 15 reads, if thou wilt to keep the commandments and to perform acceptable faithfulness, he has set fire in water before thee. Stretch forth thy hand unto whether thou wilt. Before man is life and death, and whether him liketh shall be given him. Now, if you examine the 15th verse in the 15th chapter, Performance is the operative word. Why? Because literacy without appliance is counterproductive. Let us read it again. Ecclesiasticus 15 and 15 says, If thou wilt to keep the commandments and to perform acceptable faithfulness. See? So our decisions set in motion a series of events which shape our lives. How do we know? Verse 16 reads, he hath set fire and water before thee. Stretch forth thy hand unto whether thou wilt. Before man is what? Life and death. And whether him that liketh shall be given him. See, brothers and sisters? So it's immoral to seek to escape the consequences of our actions. He's saying, listen, I've set before you life and death, fire and water. And whichever you choose is what you shall receive. See, so if you deny his law, you deny his commandments, you have chosen fire. If you decide to acquiesce, to comply with his laws, his statutes, his commandments. If you decide to do that, you have chosen water, which is always used as a symbol of salvation. 
brothers and sisters. Look at Noah, right? What was used to save Noah from the evil? Water. Noah's Ark. Look at the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea. What saved them from the Egyptians that chased them? Water, brothers and sisters. So water is always, 99% of the time in the Bible, a metaphor for what? Salvation. And he's telling you, I've given you fire and water, life and death. And you have to not only have knowledge of the commandments, but perform the commandments. Brothers and sisters, follow us to Proverbs, the 13th chapter, the 14th and 15th verse. Once again, where are we? We're at Proverbs, the 13th chapter, the 14th and 15th verse, brothers and sisters. Verse 14 reads, the law of the wise is a fountain of life. To depart from the snares of death. Verse 15 reads. Good understanding giveth favor. But the way of transgressors is hard. Brothers and sisters. We are. We're breaking down what? The parable. What parable? The parable of the ten virgins. With the lanterns and the oil. We've established at first. What? The lamp. The lantern is what? It's the law. It's the commandments according to the Bible. And we're still dealing on that point. Because why? We have to break down this parable in its entirety, brothers and sisters, for you to fully get the comprehension. What is today's lesson? The children of light, brothers and sisters. Let me read that again, because if you examine verse 13 closely, it's telling you that what? Excuse me, if you examine verse 14 closely, it tells you that if you desire success, accept and obey rules given to prosper and protect you. Wisdom of law enables us to recognize and avoid deadly snares. Let me show you. Proverbs 13 and 14 reads, The law of the wise is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. See that, brothers and sisters? Examine verse 15 closely. Verse 15 reads, Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. So this text emphasizes the usefulness of a sound intellect and what? The hardship of sin. Brothers and sisters, why? Because he endeavors to deter us from evil by telling us the judgment to come. Listen to it again. Proverbs 13 and 15 reads, Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. See? So according to this verse, brothers and sisters, the only easy way is the way of obedience. Brothers and sisters. You see that? Let's go to second measures, brothers and sisters. Let's go to the apographer. Follow us there. We're going to 2nd Ezra, the 16th chapter, the 75th through the 78th verses. <clears throat> 2nd Ezra, chapter 16, verse 75 reads, Be ye not afraid, neither doubt, for God is your guide, 
and the guide of them who keep my commandments and precepts, saith the Lord God. Let not your sins weigh you down and let not your iniquities lift up themselves. Verse 77 reads, Woe be unto them that are bound with their sins and covered with their iniquities like as a field is covered over with bushes and the path thereof covered with thorns that no man may travel through. Verse 78 reads, It is left undressed and it is cast into the fire to be consumed therewith. So brothers and sisters, if you examine what? If you examine verse 65 and, excuse me, 75 and 76 closely, it tells us that what? Guidance is a result of application. See, let me show you again. Second Ezra 16 and 75 reads, Be ye not afraid, neither doubt, for God is your God, and the guide of them who keep my commandments in precepts, saith the Lord God. So, brothers and sisters, this passage deals with the often overlooked consequences of our own sins. According to what we're getting ready to read, sin can seize us, lay hold of us, and not let go. Let me read that again. Please listen closely, brothers and sisters. Second Ezra 16 and 76 reads, And the guide of them who keep my commandments and precepts, saith the Lord God, let not your sins weigh you down, and let not your iniquities lift up themselves. Woe be unto them that are bound with their sins. See that, brothers and sisters? He personifies sin by painting a picture of a weaver getting caught in his own web. Those bound by the shackles of sin will find what? They shall find destruction, according to Second Edris, brothers and sisters. See? Only obedience to the truth can set us free, brothers and sisters. See, the key part that I wanted you to focus in on was verse 76 and 77. I'm going to read those scriptures again because I don't want you to miss this, brothers and sisters. Second Ezra 16 and 76 reads, And the guide of them who keep my commandments and precepts, saith the Lord God, let not your sins weigh you down, and let not your iniquities lift up themselves. Woe be unto them that are bound with their sins and covered with their iniquities, like as a field is covered over with bushes. And the path thereof covered with thorns that no man may travel through. See, brothers and sisters. So there's a couple of things working in, these, in, in this literature. Number one, the Most High is the guide to those who keep his commandments. Why? Because his commandments are the lamp. <laughs> you see? See that, brothers and sisters? See how that links flawlessly with Matthew, the 25th chapter. The parable of Christ and the ten virgins. He said, I guide those through my commandments. My commandments are the lamp. And he also said, woe be unto those who are what? Who get bound with their sins, showing you that sin has the power to do what? Brothers and sisters, to shackle you. See? 
And then what happens once you're shackled, brothers and sisters? Destruction. Destruction comes subsequent to the shackling, brothers and sisters. If what? If you don't follow the truth. If you don't find the light. Now, we've already established the light is what? The lamp. The lantern is what? The law. The commandments. The precepts. Brothers and sisters. Let us show you. Let's go to Psalms. Let's go back to the Old Testament. We're going to go to Psalms. Chapter 119. And we're going to, be, we're going to begin at 104. So we're here at Psalms 119, verse 104 and 105. Listen closely. Psalms 119 and 104 reads, Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. See? Christians, many Christians have heard this scripture many times and probably did not have the full comprehension of it because they didn't link it through the precept. But here it is. He's telling you what? Verse 105 says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So brothers and sisters, the Bible is the only essential knowledge for man's success. See? This highlights everything contrary to the rule of truth and right. Let us show you. Look at verse 104. Psalms 119 and 104 reads, Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. So it's through the precepts, brothers and sisters, that we get the comprehension, the precepts, the word of God, his laws, statutes, and commandments highlight everything contrary to the rule of truth and right. And according to verse 105, his word casts light upon every dark place. See, it is a light that shines on the road that a man travels. Let me read 119 and 104 again. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. So the word is what is needed to be proactive instead of reactive, brothers and sisters. The word of God is a protection against danger, brothers and sisters. Follow us. Brothers and sisters, I need you to follow us to Proverbs. We're going to go to Proverbs, the fourth chapter. We're going to read the 18th and 19th verses, brothers and sisters. Actually, before we go there, let's go to Psalms 140 and 5. Salapia. Getting ahead of myself here. Let's go to Psalms, the 140th chapter, the fifth verse. Because remember, we said the word of God is a protection against danger. Let us show you that. Psalms 140, verse 5 reads, The proud have hid a snare for me in cords. They have spread a net by the wayside. They have set gins 
for me. So, brothers and sisters, here it is. This text magnifies our need of a biblical lantern. Why? Let me read it again. Psalms 140 and 5 reads, The proud have hidden or hid a snare for me and cords. They have spread a net by the wayside. They have set gins or gins for me. So according to this text here, they are restless to ruin us, adding all kinds of craft to their cruelty. Brothers and sisters, if you examine the fifth verse of the 140th chapter in Psalms closely, it indicates the excuse me, it indicates the variety of inventions utilized by our enemies to deceive and destroy us. Let me show you. Verse 5 reads, "The proud have hit a snare for me and cords and they have spread a net by the wayside they have set gins or gins for me so here it is brothers and sisters we have a snare we have cords we have a net and we have gins or gins brothers and sisters all these expressions design the insidious methods of our enemies see brothers and sisters that's why you need that lamp, brothers and sisters. Now, remember Psalms 119 and 105 read, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And Psalms 140 and 5 is showing you why you need a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, brothers and sisters. Let me read it again. Psalms 140 and 5 reads, The proud have hid a snare for me, and cords. They have spread a net by the wayside. They have set gins or gins for me. See, brothers and sisters? So Satan and his ministers of wickedness have hidden. They have hidden traps for us brothers and sisters and when it says the proud have hid that means they're not readily seen they're concealed the only way they can be revealed or manifested is through what the lamp the lantern brothers and sisters see so it's no way for you to there's no way for you to combat this there's no way for you to fight against your enemies there's no way for you to identify the snares, the cords, the net in the gins or gins. There's no way to identify it without what? Without the commandment, which is the lamp or the lantern unto your feet and a light unto your path, brothers and sisters. See that? Let's go to Proverbs 4 and 18, brothers and sisters. We're going to read the 18th and 19th verse. Proverbs 4 and 18 reads, But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. I'm going to read those two scriptures again, brothers and sisters. Proverbs 4 and 18 reads, But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more 
unto the perfect day. Verse 19 reads, the way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. So brothers and sisters, if you examine these scriptures closely, the word of God hath imposed upon man a choice of alternatives here. It said you had the path of the just and you had the way of the wicked. So there's two ways, two ends, two characters and two consequences. And I'm going to read those again. Let me show you the alternatives. Let me show you your choices, brothers and sisters. Or let the Bible show you that, rather. Proverbs 4 and 18 reads, But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. So, brothers and sisters, according to verse 18, the path of the just is as a radiant, luminous, manicured trail, while the path of evil is a dark, jagged road which causes people to stumble. See, brothers and sisters? So the path of light gives us the luxury to be aware of every obstacle. Why? Because it said the path of the just is as a shining light. See, it's like running on a trail in the in the forest in the daytime. In contrast to running that same trail at midnight. See, so he's saying, I gave you a choice here. There's two ways. You have the path of the just. You have the way of the wicked. There's two ends. One is darkness in which you know not at which you stumble. Also, you have the other choice, which is what? A path that shines more and more until the perfect day, which is the return of the Messiah. See, brothers and sisters? So the choice is yours. The choice is mine, brothers and sisters. Here it is, though. He's giving you what? He's giving you the, he's giving you the, the result of traveling either of these paths, brothers and sisters. See, what are we doing? We're, we're dealing with the lamp first. Because remember, the parable that Christ was dropping about the ten virgins. Five of the virgins had the lamp and the oil. Some of those virgins, the other five, only had the lamp, no oil. So we're going to break it all the way down. Right now, we're identifying what that lamp is. See? See? Let's go to second address. Let's go back to the Apocrypha, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to second address 15. We'll read 24 through 26, brothers and sisters. Here it is. I'm at second address, the 15th chapter, the 24th verse. And it reads, Woe to them that sin and keep not my commandments saith the Lord. I will not spare them. Go your way, ye children, from the power. Defile not my sanctuary, for the Lord knoweth all them that sin against him, and therefore delivereth he them unto death and destruction. So, brothers and sisters, according to Ezra's, deviancy cannot and will not go unpunished. Brothers and sisters, we're reading an absence of sensitivity when it comes to our exercising of 
unethical behavior. Let me read it again. I need Christians to listen closely. We're going to read 2nd Ezra, the 15th chapter, the 24th through the 26th verse. Verse 24 reads, Woe to them that sin. Woe is a curse, brothers and sisters. It says, Woe to them that sin and keep not my commandments, saith the Lord. Showing you that what? Sin is when you don't keep his commandments, brothers and sisters, period. So someone's telling you, well, listen, we don't have to follow the commandments because Christ did away with it. Then essentially what they're saying is that it's okay to sin. And according to the 24th verse, a curse come with that. <laughs> so any person teaching that you don't have to follow the law wants you to be cursed. And it's probably cursed themselves, brothers and sisters. And see, this is why they had to take the apographer out of the Bible. This is exactly why, brothers and sisters, because they could not teach that doctrine of, you know, the laws done away with and Christ came so you can do all types of sin. And, you know, it's OK to follow the, the 5000 laws in your state's penal code, but the laws in the Bible, that's too much. <laughs> see, they couldn't teach that with this in it. So they had to take it completely out, brothers and sisters. Go do the history. On the 1611 King James Version Bible, which was what? That was the origin of the King James Version Bible. Okay? The Apographa was in the Bible for hundreds of years. They only removed the Apographa when slavery was getting ready to be abolished or so-called abolished. Brothers and sisters, because they understood that what? Negroes were going to start reading on their own. See? So they're like, oh, no, no. We listen, <laughs> we got to take this all the way out because we need them to continue sinning. Why? Because if we if they don't sin, we can't continue to keep our foot on their neck. So we have to use their pastors. OK, we have to use their bishops to teach a doctrine that in which they believe they don't have to follow these laws. See. Brothers and sisters, before me, I have an Oxford edition 1611 King James Version Bible. I also have before me a Cambridge University 1611 King James Version Bible. Oxford and Cambridge, brothers and sisters, are two of the most prestigious universities in all of the world. And they paid money to have these records published. And guess what? They're teaching this in your predominant white schools. They'll never give this to slaves. They'll never give this to Hispanics and natives. But yet they're learning it. See, go look this up. I have two physical copies, one from Oxford, one from Cambridge, that have 80 books in the Bible. See? So they give, they give slaves a, a completely different reading. <laughs> now you're understanding why we were being swung off trees for reading. Because there was no way for them to continue to teach this sleep doctrine with the apographer contained in the Bible. See? So don't ever let a pastor or your, anyone else tell you that the apographer is not spiritually inspired. Because guess what? They've never read the apographer. So when a brother tells me that, when a pastor tells me that, I ask him, okay, well, brother, have you ever read the apographer? Well, uh, no. All right, so how do you know it's not spiritually inspired, brother? See? If you haven't read the record, you definitely can't tell me what's spiritually inspired. You can't tell me 
or other Hebrews, other Israelites, what records of my forefathers I can read? Who are you? See? They'll say, well, well, it's not canonized. Canonized by who? The white man? How does the white man have power to canonize Hebrew records? Please tell me that. Exactly. So a white man or a, any other man can't tell me what of my forefathers I'm allowed to read. See? And I want to be clear on this. This I have nothing against white people and all that. Listen, we baptize white people. We have white people in our church. But no white man or Asian man or African man or anyone else can dictate to Hebrews what Hebrew records a Hebrew can read. Because all of these books were contained in the Bible. Brothers and sisters, did you know Jude at one time was not canonical? Revelations at one time was not canonical. Go do that research. See? So are you saying we shouldn't read Revelations in Jude now because it wasn't canonical at one time? Exactly. So you have to, brothers and sisters, you have to do your research. Not just your biblical research, but your historical research on who is canonizing these records, brothers and sisters. And look at the dates and understand what was going on in the earth around these dates, brothers and sisters. And I, I know I went off, you know, let me get off my soapbox. I just wanted to put that out there, brothers and sisters. Just wanted to put that out there. Because they had to take this out of the Bible to keep you in your sin so they can continue to rule over you. And we're done with that. We're not going to allow our people to be exploited and taken advantage of any longer. I'm at 2nd Ezra's. The 15th chapter, the 24th through the 26th verse. Verse 24 reads, Woe to them that sin, and keep not my commandments, saith the Lord. I will not spare them. Go your way, ye children, from the power. Defile not my sanctuary. For the Lord knoweth all them that sin against him, and therefore delivereth he them unto death and destruction. So brothers and sisters, whether aware of it or not, the consequences of sin remain with the sinner. See? And according to what? Verse 26, clandestine affairs cannot be hidden from the Most High God. He said he knoweth all them that sin against him. And guess what? He delivered them unto death and destruction. See? This is love here, brothers and sisters. Our church love not only our people but all people that's why we're delivering this message because we understand the result of your negligence is death and destruction and at least if you're going to be destroyed i want you to be destroyed because you chose to be destroyed and not because you were deceived that's love see we love you that's why we're showing you this that's why our church has always been an advocate of law of God's law, that is, because we understand the wages for sin is death. I don't care how, you know, how how nice Joel Osteen and TJ and these guys are. If they're telling you to sin on purpose, eat unclean foods, celebrate pagan holidays, not observe the Sabbath, they are trying to kill you. So you got to wake up, brothers and sisters. You have to wake up. 
Brothers and sisters, follow us to Psalms 139 and 12. Now, remember, it was 2nd Ezra, the 15th chapter, the 26th verse that said what? For the Lord knoweth all them that sin against him, and therefore delivereth he them unto, them, unto death and destruction. So remember, that verse is telling you the Most High knows all that sin. And he will deliver them unto death and destruction. Now you link that precept with Psalms 139 and 12. Listen closely. Please. Psalms 139 and 12 reads, Yeah, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Let me read that again. Verse 12 reads, Yeah, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. So according to the psalmist, the Most High sees clearly in darkness. Nothing obscures his vision, brothers and sisters. The Most High sees equally in darkness as in night. Excuse me, uh, the Most High sees equally in darkness as in light. So darkness or nighttime and daytime is the same to the Most High. He can see clearly, brothers and sisters. So what is to us hidden by darkness is perfectly seen and known by God. That's why he said, for the Lord knoweth all, th all them that sin against him, and therefore delivereth he them unto death and destruction. See, brothers and sisters? So we had to bring that out. Matter of fact, go to, go to Isaiah 45 and 7. Go to Isaiah, the 45th chapter, the 7th verse. Isaiah 45 and 7 reads, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. See? So the Most High pours out blessings on those whom he favors, brothers and sisters. He brings judgment on those who continue in rebellion. See, brothers and sisters, he rewards our spiritual ineptitude, our continual negligence with disasters. It says he created the light. He created the darkness. He can make peace or he can create evil for you. The Most High is in control of all things. So we're breaking it down all the way, brothers and sisters. We began at what? Matthew 25, the parable of the ten virgins. With the lanterns, the lamps, and the oil. Why? Because the title of today's lesson is what? The children of light. And what? Matthew 25 is about light, brothers and sisters. Now, guess what? Parables are written in a way in which everyone can't understand them purposely. Brothers and sisters, he, he wants to weed out those who are not willing to do the research. The Bible is written in dark sentences purposely. So why? So inside, or excuse me, outsiders have, have not the comprehension of what's being delivered. You know these were black people because why? Black people in their music today still talk the same way. They talk in code. 
when they rap. <laughs> a lot of the music, you know, other nations, they don't even understand what's being said in a lot of these rap songs. But guess what? Other black people understand it clearly. Because it's a certain way in which we talk. This is how you know these authors were black, Hispanic, and native. Because it's the same way <laughs> that the music is today, that the Bible is written, brothers and sisters. In which if you don't understand, you know, our culture, or, you know, if you don't understand our culture or our speech patterns, if you don't understand our colloquialisms, you don't understand what the song is about. Same thing with the Bible, brothers and sisters. Let's go back to Matthew 25. We're going back to the gospel, brothers and sisters. Matthew 25, 1 through 4. Let's break it down. Matthew 25 and 1 reads, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So brothers and sisters, we've already broken down the beginning. We've showed you that these lamps, that these virgins, these young women brought, was the commandments. It was the law. Let us read those scriptures again. Matthew 25, 1-4 reads, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So the light, the lamp, is ineffective because the wick needs attention, brothers and sisters. You see that? It says in verse 3, it says, And they that were foolish took the lamp and took no oil with them. We've already established that the lamp is the commandment. But according to this text, it's telling you the lamp devoid of the oil is not effective. See? So now we have to break down the oil, brothers and sisters. And guess what? Oil in the Bible is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Oil in the Old Testament is frequently used as a symbol of the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. We're going to prove that. So we've already, we've already revealed that what? The lamp in Matthew 25 is the law, the commandments. Now the oil we will prove represents the Holy Spirit. Let's go to 1 Samuel 16 and 13 to show you. Oil in the Old Testament was frequently used as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Follows to the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. 1 Samuel 16 and 13. 1 Samuel 16 and 13 reads, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. 
So examine this, brothers and sisters. This is when David was being anointed. And what you're seeing is anointing with oil was analogous to being endowed with the Holy Spirit. Let me read it again. 1 Samuel 16 and 13 reads, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So brothers and sisters, the anointing oil was a foreshadowing of the Holy Spirit. When someone was anointed, they were understood to be positioned and placed in authority. Go look at the Old Testament. You have to understand the Hebrew hermeneutics. This was Hebrew culture, brothers and sisters. The anointing did what? It designated you with authority, with position, with office. See? It told you that Samuel did what? He took the oil and anointed David in front of his brethren. Why? So his brethren could know his position from that day forward. Let us show you this, brothers and sisters, because here it is. We're identifying the oil with the spirit of the Lord, which is the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters. We're just showing you that what the anointing. Did what? The anointing. Positioned you or placed you in authority. Let's prove that. Let's go to Acts, brothers and sisters. Let's go to the New Testament. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. The 38th verse in the 10th chapter of Acts reads, How God anointed Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. I'm going to read that again. Acts 10 and 38 reads, How God anointed Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So, brothers and sisters, this anointing implied the presence of the Holy Spirit because it said that he anointed Christ with what? With the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. See, anointing means oil. Brothers and sisters, that's how you anoint a person. So, anointing of oil symbolizes the filling and empowering of the Holy Spirit. See, now this linked flawlessly, flawlessly with... 1 Samuel 16 and 13. Why? Because it said Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren and the spirit of the Lord came upon him. Right? And Acts 10 and 38 read how God anointed Christ of Nazareth with what? With the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Why? Because the Most High was with him. See? See? So the oil represents the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God, brothers and sisters, showing you that what? The law alone is not going to be enough. Why? Because Israel had the law in the Old Testament when we were serving uh, all these other nations, when we served the Persians, when we served the Medes, when we served the Greeks, when we served the Romans. We had the law then. So the law alone is not enough. So I don't want a person to misinterpret what the commandment keepers church is saying. We're not saying that the law is your righteousness. Because it's not. 
If you don't have the spirit of God in conjunction with that law, you're not going to make it. Matthew 25 tells us that. So we're not Pharisees here because see, Pharisees believed only thing you needed was law. You didn't need the spirit of God because why? The law was your righteousness. You have never, nor would you ever hear the commandment keepers church or, or anyone that who's a part of our church ever make that claim because we know better. We know better. In fact, we have lessons, thorough, detailed lessons in which we did that. We, we discussed that. I believe one of them is titled uh, Spiritual Maturation. Um, we, we have a, a lot of higher level learnings, advanced level learnings on this particular topic. Because usually when a Christian hears law, they automatically say Pharisee. As if Pharisees were the only people who followed law. Christ was not a Pharisee and he followed the law. The disciples were not Pharisees and they followed the law. So Christians have to start reading the Bible again. Because anytime you bring up law to a Christian, they'll claim you're a Pharisee. Showing what? Showing their ignorance. All the Jews or Israelites followed the law because it was just our culture. It had nothing to do with a religion. It had nothing to do with Pharisees. We just wanted to show you what? We wanted to show you that the anointing or the oil is representing who or symbolic of what? The Holy Spirit. Let us show you. Let's go to Leviticus 24 and 2. Let's go to the Torah, brothers and sisters. <clears throat> Leviticus 24 and 2 reads, Command the children of Israel that they might bring unto thee pure oil, Olive beaten for the light to cause the lamps to burn continually. <laughs> See, the Bible, brothers and sisters, you let the Bible interpret itself. See, and this is why you have to learn, you know, to link precept by precept here a little and there a little. See, that's the problem. Many They don't teach us how to study the Bible, brothers and sisters. They'll just read a whole chapter you know, and not get any understanding because you cannot read the Bible like a novel, brothers and sisters. Any person who's been learning from our church know that we move all over the Bible, brothers and sisters. We're going from the New Testament back to the Old Testament to the Apocrypha back to the Old Testament. Why? Because that's how you study according to the Bible, brothers and sisters. That's how you get understanding. I'm sure people who, who learn with us, you know, maybe probably heard two or three lessons, learned more in two or three lessons with our church than they did their whole time being a Christian. Why? Because we know how to study the Bible. Let us read that again. Leviticus, the 24th chapter, the second verse reads, Command the children of Israel that they bring unto thee pure oil, Olive beaten for the light to cause the lamps to burn continually. So the oil symbolized the spirit of God by which the light could be maintained in the hour of darkness. Brothers and sisters. See, it said you would need the oil, the olive oil beaten for the light to cause the lamps to burn continually. Now, remember Matthew 25. See, Matthew 25 said, yeah, they had the lamp, but they didn't have the oil. 
And without the oil, you will not be able to sustain until Christ. See? Devoid of the Holy Spirit, we are ill-equipped to endure until the end, whether you know you're an Israelite or not, whether you have the law or not. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not going to make it. And guess what? We have just applied Hebrew hermeneutics, brothers and sisters. Because see, now you're understanding what oil represented all throughout the Bible. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And here it was, the Bible, the Torah, Leviticus, the 24th chapter, the second verse is telling you, make sure you have plenty of oil. Why? To cause the lamps to burn continually. See? The only way to endure until the end is to not only have law, but with that law, the Holy Spirit, the guidance of the Spirit of God. It's the only way. See, in Christians, what they claim is they got a lot of spirit, but no law. Israelites have a lot of law and no spirit. And they're both off. You have to find the happy medium of what? Spirit and law. See? Spirit and law. Let's go to Proverbs 4 and 7. Brothers and sisters. Proverbs 4 and 7 reads, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Brothers and sisters, we know that wisdom is the Holy Spirit. Anyone who's ever has any knowledge of the Bible knows that wisdom is the Holy Spirit all throughout the Bible. And what is this scripture telling you? Proverbs 4 and 7 reads, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Now, the first thing I need you to do, brothers and sisters, is examine the spelling ending in P-A-L and not P-L-E, which suggests chief importance. And we're talking about the word principle here. Look at how principle is spelled here. It's spelled with the ending of P-A-L rather than P-L-E. P-A-L is like the principle of a school, which suggests what? In charge, chief importance. So according to wisdom, excuse me, according to Proverbs 4 and 7, make every effort in life to pursue and obtain wisdom or the Holy Spirit. We're reading the most excellent of moral possessions available to mankind, brothers and sisters. See, let me read it again. I'm going to read 7 and 8 to show you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou doest embrace her. Now look at this. <laughs> See, this is why they told you don't go into the, to the Old Testament. Because wisdom is personified as feminine here, brothers and sisters. See? Look at that. The scripture is telling you without wisdom, reason is unreasonable. Without wisdom, sanity is insanity, brothers and sisters. See? 
So we wanted to show you that all throughout the Bible, brothers and sisters, wisdom was personified as feminine, brothers and sisters. See, that's crystal clear. Because why? Christians and Catholics, they try to make you believe that the Holy Spirit is masculine. Because they go to the scripture in John that refers to the Holy Spirit as he. But go to that same scripture in John and pull up the Greek. And you'll see that the word they translated as he in John referring to the Holy Spirit does not denote gender at all. The word in the Greek is akinos, which means that one. They translated it as he purposely to deceive you, brothers and sisters. But when you go all throughout the Bible, wisdom, the Holy Spirit is personified as a she. And we're going to prove that. Follows, brothers and sisters, to Luke, the seventh chapter. Why? Because we just showed you the chief importance of wisdom, which is the Holy Spirit. Written of in Proverbs, but I know a lot of Christians and people who've been deceived will say what? Nah, nah, the, the Holy Spirit is a masculine spirit. Why? Because they've been deceived. They've been indoctrinated. See? And they, that's why they don't want you in the Old Testament. See? And I can hear a Christian now. No, nah, that's in the Old Testament. That could be anything. Okay, well, so what would you do if I take you to the New Testament? And it says that. <laughs> See, you got to brothers and sisters, you got to back these Christians into a corner. See, we'll take you all over the Bible. We're going to take you to the Old Testament. We're going to take you to the New Testament. We're going to take you to the Apocrypha. Because it only refers to the Holy Spirit with the term he in one place. And that's in John. And when you look at that word in the Greek, you go into your Strong's Concordance and look at that word that they translated as he. It didn't say he at all. See? They deal with homosexuality, brothers and sisters. They want you to believe that the Most High God is on the throne next to another man. So you have the God the Father, masculine, the Holy Spirit, masculine, and the Son, masculine. See? Come on now. When the Most High created Adam and Eve, he said, let us create them in our image, male and female. And see, that's the doctrine they teach because they have some indignation, some venom and vitriol towards women. So they want to they want women to believe they're second class citizens. They have no worth or any value within the work. This is what they do. We're going to prove it to you. We're going to prove to you not only in the Old Testament was wisdom personified as a her or a she, but also in the New Testament. Let's go to the gospel. Let's go to the gospel. Uh, excuse me, Luke 7 and 35. The 35th verse of the 7th chapter in Luke reads, But wisdom is justified of all her children. <laughs> but wisdom is justified of all her children. See? That's in your Bible. That's New Testament. That's in the gospel. That's Christ. See, brothers and sisters? 
but wisdom is justified of all her children. So guess what? Israelites during this time, all the followers of Christ knew the Holy Spirit to have been personified by, you know, a feminine pronoun. They never once believed <laughs> that it was masculine. That transpired after Christ because they started trying to teach a different doctrine. And see, that's why you cannot have other, you know, you cannot have Europeans, unfortunately, being the authority over Hebrew books. The same way you're not going to go into Korea and see a black man teaching Korean history. You're not going to go into Greece and see an African or an Asian teaching Greek history. So why now, explain to us why now you should be teaching us our record. When you've been corrupting our text, when you've been butchering our text. See? We all know that wisdom is the Holy Spirit. And here it was in Proverbs 4, also in Luke 7, it's personifying wisdom with a feminine pronoun. See? Now, remember, Proverbs 4 and 7 said wisdom was the principal thing. The Holy Spirit was of chief importance. Why? Because you needed the oil for the lamp. See? Now let us show you. How do you receive that oil? How do you receive that Holy Spirit? How do you receive it? Because it's only one way. Let's prove that to you. Let's go to Acts chapter 2 verse 38 to prove to you how do you receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 2 and 38 reads, Then Peter said unto them, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So this is how we take possession of the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. And guess what? This is an indisputable fact. Remember, Christ said what? He built his church on Peter. This is what Peter said. Peter said what? Verse 38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So we're reading the procedure of gaining citizenship into the kingdom of heaven. Also, this is how you acquire the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. See? Without this, you're not authorized for service, brothers and sisters. So you only become authorized for service. The Most High is only going to use you on a mass scale to awaken people once this has happened. Not saying that, you know, if you want to be baptized and haven't had a chance to do that, you shouldn't do any work and share the gospel. That's the devil telling you that. Only the devil would say, well, nah, don't share the gospel until you find some water. No, we're telling you that for your authorization, for the Most High to start sending you people, you're going to have to do this. Because why? Authorization was in the water. Remember, Matthew, the third chapter, before Christ's ministry started, what happened? The last three scriptures in Matthew, the third chapter, Christ was baptized, and then his disciples came. See? So we had to show you this, brothers and sisters. There's only one way to receive this Holy Spirit. And guess what? 
Pharisees did not believe in baptism. Why? Because they didn't want to show themselves as sinners. So the Pharisees had the law, but didn't have the Holy Spirit. So they really didn't understand the law. Why? Because they were too proud to be dipped in water before a public saying, listen, I'm a sinner. My garments are scarlet. I need Christ. I need forgiveness. I need redemption. I need salvation. See, so anyone who's denying baptism, guess what? They're not humble at all. Just take a step back. A person who's trying to wiggle themselves around baptism. These are arrogant people. These are proud people. See? Because Peter said, Peter, you know Peter, the one that walked with Christ? You know the one that Christ used for leadership? He said what? Verse 38 reads, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So here it is, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you that without this, you're not authorized for service. You can only be authorized for service once you've done this. Let's go to Isaiah 61 and 1 to prove this. There's order, brothers and sisters. There's order. Isaiah 61 and 1. Isaiah 61 and 1 reads, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Now, brothers and sisters, I need you to examine closely, because if you examine verse 1, You'll see that the service is subsequent to the anointing. Let us show you. Verse 1 reads, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. So look at that, brothers and sisters. He's saying the Spirit of God is upon me. Why? Because he anointed me. So the anointing comes with the Spirit of God. Why did he anoint me? To preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive. See that? So he said, listen, the Spirit of God must first be upon you. You must first be anointed before you can preach good tidings unto the meek. Before you can go to the brokenhearted. Before you can proclaim liberty to the captives. Why? Because you're still captive if you haven't found water. You're still chained to your sin. So how can you go preach liberty when you're not liberated just yet? You may have the knowledge of law, but you have to find water. We have a lesson, brothers and sisters, titled Freedom is Found in Water. I would encourage brothers and sisters who, you know, don't really understand baptism or haven't been baptized to go examine that uh, lesson. And you can definitely email us. You can get in contact with us through the uh, through the webpage uh, or the podcast or even from our email address, um, and we can facilitate something, brothers and sisters. But we're just showing you here 
Authorization was in the water because the ordinance of baptism is ordained by Christ to be a perpetual and universal rite. Let us show you again that what? The service comes subsequent to the anointing. Look at it closely because verse 1 shows you the anointing came first and then the service. Isaiah 61 and 1 reads, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. One of the most powerful scriptures in all of the Torah, brothers and sisters. Because he, he, he broke it down. Isaiah was breaking it down. He said, the spirit of God is on me. Why? Because I've been anointed. And once I'm anointed, after I have the Spirit of God, once I come out of the water, as Peter broke down, then you send me to preach good tidings unto the meek. So if you haven't done the first order of business like Christ did, then you're not authorized for service. Okay? The Most High is not going to use you on a you know, on a large scale yet. Why? Because you haven't even taken the first step that Christ took. And you're not better than Christ. Neither am I, brothers and sisters. So if you can't humble yourself and get in some water, if you can't be baptized in the name of Christ, the Father, and you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is a higher, by Shem Yeshaya, the walk, a walk, higher is what? I am that I am in the Hebrew. Yeshaya, is Christ in the Hebrew, the Savior. Ruach, that's the Holy Spirit in the Hebrew. That is the name that we baptize in, brothers and sisters. In the original Paleo-Hebrew, the ancient Phoenician Hebrew, okay? So Christ is telling you, or excuse me, the Bible is telling you what? You have to do this. Because why? If you try to make it to the end, to meet the bridegroom with commandments and laws, but no Holy Spirit, you're not going to make it. Why? Because baptism was a requirement to get in. See? Now, brothers and sisters, we've now, we've established that Matthew 25 is a parable about ten virgins. Ten, uh, excuse me, five wise and five foolish. The wise found what? They found it best for them to carry not only lamps and lanterns, but oil to sustain those lamps and lanterns. We also learned that the foolish virgins did what? They had the lamp or lantern. They had the commandments, but they had no oil making them or giving them an inability to sustain themselves or to endure until the bridegroom, which is Christ. Right? So we've established that the lantern or the 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 lantern or the lamp is the commandments, the law, and that the oil is undoubtedly a representation of the Holy Spirit. We then proceeded to do what? To prove that all throughout the Bible the Holy Spirit is personified by a feminine pronoun, right? We did that. We took you to Proverbs 4. We took you to Luke 7, right? 
We can take you all over the Bible proving that wisdom, the Holy Spirit is personified as a feminine spirit. Now, the thing that you have to understand, brothers and sisters, which is probably the most important, is that just because you receive the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit through baptism doesn't mean that you have the doesn't mean that she stays with you forever. So we taught you how to obtain the Holy Spirit. Now we have to show you how to maintain the Holy Spirit. It's just like getting a woman, right? Just because you got that woman, guess what? That woman will leave in a hot second. Sisters understand what I'm talking about. Why? Because she's going to get over your cuteness <laughs> quickly. Okay? There's only so much she's going to put up with because you're cute. See? And this is the importance of understanding that what? The Holy Spirit is a feminine spirit because you can learn a lot about the Holy Spirit from a woman. You can also learn a lot about a woman from the Holy Spirit. See? Let us show you something here. Because we're talking about not only obtaining the Holy Spirit, but now maintaining the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus in the Apocrypha, chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. We've already established, brothers and sisters, that wisdom is the Holy Spirit, right? Okay. Ecclesiasticus 4 and 11 reads, Wisdom exalteth her children, and layeth hold of them that seek her. He that loveth her life, and they that seek to her early, shall be filled with joy. Verse 13 reads, He that holdeth her fast shall inherit glory, and wheresoever she entereth, the Lord will bless. So, brothers and sisters, if you look at it closely, Sirach, or the author of Ecclesiasticus, is emphasizing the result of acquiring her. He said, let me read it again. Ecclesiasticus 11 through, th excuse me, Ecclesiasticus chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. Wisdom exalteth her children and layeth hold of them that seek her. He that loveth her life and they that seek her early shall be filled with joy. He that holdeth her fast shall inherit glory. And wheresoever she entereth, the Lord will bless. Now, brothers and sisters, where it says he that holdeth her fast shall inherit glory. That means this text is highlighting that withdrawal is also a possibility. So we must be conscious of her tendency to abandon because he said you have to hold on to her. See, if you hold her fast, then you shall inherit the glory. You seeing that, brothers and sisters? Telling you that the Holy Spirit will leave in a in the snap of a finger. So you have to hold her fast. You have to sustain her. You have to maintain her. See, it's not okay. Well, after I get baptized, you know, I, I can just fall off and go back to doing what I used to do. No, because if you do that, you'll lose her. Let us show you. Let's go to Wisdom of Solomon six and sixteen. We're going to read verse 16 through 19. Wisdom of Solomon 6 and 16 reads, For she goeth about seeking such as are worthy of her, showeth herself favorably unto them in the ways, and meeteth them in every thought. Verse 17 reads, For the very true beginning of her is the desire of discipline. 
and the care of discipline is love. Verse 18 reads, and love is the keeping of her laws and the giving heed unto her laws is what? The insurance of corruption, incorruption. Let me read verse 18 again. And love is the keeping of her laws and the giving heed unto her laws is the assurance of incorruption and incorruption maketh us near unto God. So brothers and sisters, if you examine it closely, look at verse 16, because right off the back, the Holy Spirit is telling you, you better come correct. Let us show you. Wisdom of Solomon 6 and 16 reads, For she goeth about seeking such as are worthy of her. <laughs> See, so she's telling you right off the back, those who are not worthy will not possess me. See? Now you're understanding. <laughs> you're understanding why you need to know that the Holy Spirit is a feminine spirit. See? She's telling you right off the back, everyone's not worthy. And those who are not worthy will not be graced with my presence. They will not possess me. See that, brothers and sisters? Let me read verse 17. Wisdom of Solomon 6 and 17. For the very true beginning of her is the desire of discipline. And the care of discipline is love. So according to verse 17, to even get introduced to her, you must have the power of what? Of self-restraint. Listen to it again. Verse 17 reads, For the very true beginning of her is the desire of discipline. See, brothers and sisters? So an undisciplined person is a person who can't be trusted. She's saying, in order for you to even be introduced to me, you must live a disciplined life. She's not a fan of loose living. See, brothers and sisters? And guess what? A sister could tell you this. There's something attractive about those who choose to live their lives with discipline. See? Women find that attractive. Ask them. A brother who's loose and all over the place, not responsible, unpredictable, all that. Listen, ain't no sisters checking for you, brother. Because you're unpredictable. You're irresponsible. The Holy Spirit is saying the same thing. She said, number one, you must be worthy of me in order to possess me. Number two, the first, <laughs> the first thing you must understand is that if you don't desire discipline, we're not a match. Nor will we ever be a match. So here it is. We're learning not only how to obtain the Holy Spirit, but how to maintain the Holy Spirit. See, look at that, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus 4 and 17. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus 4. We're going to read 17 through 19. Now, before I read these scriptures, brothers and sisters, um, some time ago, brothers and sisters, I did some... I did some intense study, some research on uh, divorce. Um, and it wasn't only because I deal with marriage counseling. That wasn't the only reason, brothers and sisters. But there were some tendencies uh, that I needed to have comprehension of, brothers and sisters. And I'm going to tell you, 
the research that I came across, brothers and sisters, um, there was a study conducted by the American Sociological Association, which is the ASA, brothers and sisters. And they had a study that nearly 70% of divorces are initiated by women. They suggested that two-thirds of all divorces are initiated by women. And guess what? College-educated women initiated divorce at an even higher rate, 90% of the time. College-educated women, 90% she's initiating the divorce. That's the, that's the college-educated woman. The, the regular woman that didn't decide to go that route, they're still divorcing 70% of the time. The man, man rarely, you know, walks away from the relationship. So seven out of 10, the woman walks away. Brothers, I want you to think about that. Think about your history. Think about, you know, your past relationships. Who walked away from who mostly? Sisters, I want you to think about that also. I want you to think about that. Who is the one walking away? See, you really need to understand that, brothers and sisters, because typically a brother, he just get comfortable. <laughs> you know, he just get comfortable at whatever's going on. A sister is not that way. A sister will walk away in a hot second if she's seeing some things that, you know, she doesn't believe is are conducive to legacy building. If she doesn't see growth. See, if she sees a man child. So you need to understand that. Why? This is what we're talking about is really not divorce. It's about the tendency, the proclivity of women to what? To walk away. When they're in an unsatisfactory union. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is a feminine spirit. Where do you think they get this from? Brothers and sisters. Let's prove that. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus 4 and 17. Listen closely. This is about the Holy Spirit. Ecclesiasticus 4 and 17 reads, For at the first she will walk with him by crooked ways, and bring fear and dread upon him, and torment him with her discipline, until she may trust his soul and try him by her laws. Then will she return the straight way unto him and comfort him and show him her secrets. Verse 19 reads, But if he go wrong, she will forsake him and give him over to his own ruin. So look at that, brothers and sisters. This is the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read it again. Starting at verse 17. Ecclesiasticus 4 and 17 reads, For at the first she will walk with him by crooked ways and bring fear and dread upon him and torment him with her discipline until she may trust his soul and try him by her laws. Then will she return the straight way unto him and comfort him and show him her secrets. But if he go wrong, she will forsake him and give him over to his own ruin. So here it is, brothers and sisters. She's saying that if I don't see growth, I'm out. Because it said in the beginning, she'll walk with him by crooked ways. So she's saying, listen, I know you don't have it all together. You're still learning and all that. Listen, I'm going to be patient with you. I'm going to be patient with you. I'm going to teach you. But if I don't see growth, I'm out of here. See? 
So a lack of growth will be rewarded with a separation. See? According to these, these texts, brothers and sisters, stagnation and underdevelopment is unacceptable to her. Her relationship with us is conditional. She said, initially, I'm going to walk with you, you know, until you learn. I'm going to continue to test you to see if I can trust you. And if I cannot trust you, then guess what? I'm out of here. I'm gone. So this emphasizes her unwillingness to stay in an unsatisfactory union. What we're learning here is sin always has consequences in our relationship with the Most High. See? Now you're also seeing again why they took this out of the Bible. Why did they take this out of your regular Bibles? Why did they take the Apographer out? See, you can go purchase the Apographer. It's King James. <laughs> go purchase you a, a 1611 King James Version Bible. In fact, if you have iTunes and all that, and uh, the Google Play Store and all that, they have that on there, brothers and sisters. There's apps of the 1611. So this church is not the only church using that. Every scholar, any historical biblical scholar knows about these books. They just don't tell slaves <laughs> about these books. See, they know this is in the book. That's why they had to take it out. Why? Because I can't teach you that what? If, if you knew that the Holy Spirit was a feminine spirit, then how can I teach that the Holy Spirit got Mary pregnant? See, and that's really what they were trying to hide the whole time. <laughs> See, understand, brothers and sisters, that anytime a person lies, there's a reason in why they lie. They didn't lie for no reason. That's why they lied. Because they taught us in Christianity that the Holy Spirit got Mary pregnant. But if the Holy Spirit is a feminine spirit, then how is that possible? See, they don't want you to ask those questions, brothers and sisters. I encourage you, brothers and sisters, to subscribe with our church. Keep up with our lessons. We have a, a plethora of lessons. We have hundreds of hours of work that the Most High has given us the opportunity, the privilege to be able to help our brothers and sisters out. And we understand that those who learn from our church are highly educated, highly educated with biblical history. So we just wanted to say, brothers and sisters, there's reasons why they've tried to deceive us. And we're learning here that not only do you have to obtain her, you must maintain her. And we're going to show you how, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, follow us the wisdom of Solomon, the first chapter, the fourth and fifth verse. Because we're showing you how to not only obtain the Holy Spirit, but how to maintain the Holy Spirit. We're not going to allow those who learn from our church to be deceived any longer. We're not going to allow those who learn from our church to be exploited any longer. Guess what? The Bible said the truth shall set you free. Here's the truth, brothers and sisters. I'm at Wisdom of Solomon. In the Apographer, the first chapter, the fourth and fifth verse. The fourth verse reads, For into a malicious soul wisdom shall not enter, nor dwell in the body that is subject unto sin. 
For the Holy Spirit of discipline will flee deceit and remove from thoughts that are without understanding and will not abide when unrighteousness come in. So, brothers and sisters, according to wisdom of Solomon, residence in a non-compliant sinner would be unmerited for the Holy Spirit. The emphasis is on her refusal to tolerate, excuse me, to tolerate consistent, unacceptable behavior, unethical behavior. Listen to it again. Wisdom of Solomon 1 and 4 reads, For into a malicious soul wisdom shall not enter, nor dwell in the body that is subject to sin. For the Holy Spirit of discipline will flee deceit and remove from thoughts that are without understanding and will not abide when unrighteousness come in. So it's telling you a person who does not follow the law cannot maintain her. Why? Because in, she doesn't enter into a or she doesn't enter or dwell in a body that's subject to sin, that continues to sin. It also told you that the Holy Spirit flees the spirit of deceit. So that means a liar, somebody who lies. Guess what? Immediately when you do that, the Holy Spirit has to flee. Because why? She cannot abide when unrighteousness come in. That wouldn't be equitable. You can't be the spirit of God and yet dwell in a body that's subject to purpose sin. You understanding this, brothers and sisters? <laughs> that's why he said you first needed to have the lamp, which was the law. <laughs> because why? Guess what? If you don't have the lamp, where are you going to house this oil at? See how that all fits flawlessly, brothers and sisters? You need the lamp, the lantern, which is the law, the commandments. In conjunction with the Holy Spirit. Because why? The Holy Spirit teach you how to follow the law. Not just the letter, but the spirit of the law. See? We're bringing this out. Why? Because people think, well, if I get baptized, then I can, you know, just to be safe. You know, because the scriptures say do it. I can go back to all my same sins and still maintain or possess the Holy Spirit. And that's false. That theology is going to get you on a one-way ticket to hell. See? Brothers and sisters, please follow us to the Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 9, verse 9 through 11. We're going to stick here in the apographer. Why? Because we're showing you that what? Number one, the Holy Spirit or wisdom is referred to or personified by a feminine pronoun all throughout the Bible. And not only that, but we're showing you that it takes work to be able to maintain this Holy Spirit or wisdom. The same way it's going to take work to maintain a woman. See? Here it is. We're at Wisdom of Solomon 9 and 9. Verse 9 reads, And wisdom was with thee, which knoweth thy works, and was present when thou madest the world, and knew what was acceptable in thy sight, and right in thy commandments. O send her out of thy holy heavens, and from the throne of thy glory, that being present she may labor with me, that I may know what is pleasing unto thee. Verse 11 reads, For she knoweth and understandeth all things, 
and she shall lead me soberly in my doings and preserve me in her power. So brothers and sisters, if you examine the ninth chapter, the ninth verse of Wisdom of Solomon, the Holy Spirit is the counselor. So when you begin to reject her counsel, she rejects you. Look, Listen to it again. Wisdom of Solomon 9 and 9 reads, And wisdom was with thee, which knoweth thy works, and was present when thou madest the world, and knew what was acceptable in thy sight, and right in thy commandments. So here it is. Solomon is saying, the Holy Spirit was with the Most High in the beginning. And what? She knows what's acceptable in her in the Most High's sight. You seeing this, brothers and sisters? Listen to verse 10. Verse 10 reads, O send her out of thy holy heavens and from the throne of thy glory, that being present she may labor with me, that I may know what is pleasing unto thee. See? So guess what? Without the Holy Spirit, you don't know how to please the Father. See? So you have to understand. You had the Father, the Most High. You had the Mother Spirit, which is what? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, and you had the Son. So guess what? The Mother teaches the Son or the children how to please the Father. Same way it is in a traditional family. While daddy's at work, mama's telling you, okay, make sure the dishes are done. Make sure that's done. Because when he come home, if these things are not done, he's going to bring his wrath. Or what, what, what did your mom used to say? I'm telling your father. When your father come home, I'm telling him. Why? <laughs> See, it's the same thing here. The Holy Spirit is what teaches you, brothers and sisters. And if we don't lay the groundwork, you will override her advice for your own, which will result in failure. Listen to verse 11. Verse 11 reads, For she knoweth and understand all things, and she shall lead me soberly in my doings and preserve me in her power. So verse 11 emphasizes the importance of sobriety. Brothers and sisters, look at the numbers. Look at the statistics. Substance abuse and divorce are inextricably intertwined. Look at the numbers for that. Brothers and sisters, look at the statistics for that. She's saying, listen, if you high, goodbye. I cannot lead you while you high and drunk and zooted out of your mind. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because you have Israelites who come into the truth and then start looking to manipulate the Bible and saying, well, God did say he made all herb is good for man. No, he said he made herb for meat to eat for seasoning. Okay. One brother many years ago told me, well, I understand the Bible better when I'm high. And I'm like, brother, that's a slippery slope you're finding yourself on. Because if you believe you understand the Bible better when you're high, you'll begin to only go into the Bible when you're high. See, and that's dangerous, brother, because the Holy Spirit said, if you high, goodbye. She can only lead us soberly. That's not just with marijuana. That's with all the that's with liquor and all this stuff. She can't lead you if you're not in your right mind. See, so all this we're showing you why, because we're teaching how to do what, how to maintain her. 
See, same way in a relationship. If a sister see her her man just getting high and playing games all day, getting drunk all the time, guess what? That brother's going to be single really quick. See? So we're, we're, we're learning a lot today, brothers and sisters. We're learning how to maintain the Holy Spirit. First, we learned how to obtain her. Now we're learning how to maintain her. Now, the Holy Spirit is what? Is the oil that we read of in Matthew, the 25th chapter. The lamp in which the oil is used for is the commandment showing you that without what? Without the oil, without the Most High Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, you do not, neither do I have the ability to properly please the Most High God, even if you have the commandments, because you don't understand the commandments without the Holy Spirit. Let's prove that. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, and we're going to end it here. <clears throat> we're going to read 1 Corinthians 2 and 9 through 11. The ninth verse reads, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which have, excuse me, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. I'm going to read that again. 1 Corinthians 2 and 11 reads, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. So the secrets of God's wisdom cannot be comprehended by human wisdom. Brothers and sisters, the most high secrets can only be spiritually discerned. Brothers and sisters, it takes heavenly intelligence for a comprehensive understanding of literature, of this literature, of scripture, brothers and sisters. According to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, the spirit bridges the gap of communication between ourselves and the Most High. This knowledge is unattainable by human wisdom or investigation, brothers and sisters. According to verse 11, the Most High reveals his mysteries to us by his spirit. See, you have to know that intelligence is different than education, brothers and sisters. Intelligence deals with aptitude. You cannot receive God's mysteries through education, only through intellect. Where do you find the intellect? Through the Holy Spirit. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? Water baptism. How do you sustain her? Commandments, laws. See? So we've learned a myriad of things today, brothers and sisters. We learned that the real Illuminati is what or who? Those who follow the law, statutes, and commandments. Who did he give his law, statutes, and commandments to? First, the children of Israel. We also learned that in Matthew, the 25th chapter, a parable of ten virgins, wise and foolish, is speaking of what? It's speaking of not only the commandments, but in conjunction with those commandments or laws, the Holy Spirit as your guide. Without both, not one or the other, without both, you will not be able to endure 
until the bridegroom comes. See? So we want to be clear. The law is not enough. The lamp is not enough if it's devoid of the Holy Spirit. See? Because our people had the law all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And yet we suffered. We were taken down, destroyed, and sent on ships. Why? Because the law is not enough if you don't have the Spirit of God on how to utilize or operate within the parameters of that very law. See? So if anyone's teaching you not to follow the law or not to be baptized, they are the devil, brothers and sisters. And God hate them. A lot of people say, well, no, God hates the sin and not the sinner. What scripture is that? That's not in the Bible. God hates the sin and the sinner. Many scriptures give indication of that. So here it is, brothers and sisters. The title of today's lesson was the children of light. We had a comprehensive study of what that entails. For that designation to be designated the children of light, a child of the day, you have to fully comprehend everything we went through today, brothers and sisters. I know we went through many precepts, many scriptures. We did a lot of jumping around the Bible, but that is how you study on a scholarly level, brothers and sisters. The title of today's lesson, The Children of Light. We want to say, Kwam Yashar Allah, sin no more. 